This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I haven't done one of these in a while, so I figured why not tonight? A driving home from the Brooklyn Nets game edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. A nice victory. A good victory for the mental health. A good victory for my back. My back has been killing me all day, and it's it's a little deeply concerning. Uh, I felt that people were staring at me as I was walking to the arena and leaving the arena because I looked like a 75-year-old man, kind of hunched over. I don't know what the hell happened. I mean, I did get run over by a taxi about two and a half years ago while biking, and my back was messed up for a while, but then I healed, I overcame it. I'm back to biking, I feel good. And at some point yesterday, I don't even know what the hell happened, I've been feeling this sharp pain in the lower part of my back. And so it, it got so dicey today, I was even thinking about not going to the game. But I figured... I haven't been to a Nets game in a couple of weeks. It's like a drug when you take it away from me. I really need it. And so I battled. I played hurt tonight, everybody. Aren't you proud of me? And I'm glad I went because tonight was one of those nights that reminds you of why you don't lose faith in Karis LeVert. That is what tonight's game is about. We will now call this the Karis LeVert reminds you how scintillating he can be game as they blew out the Phoenix Suns tonight, a game that was close until I would guess, I'd say with about seven minutes to go in the third quarter, the Nets made their run, eventually made this a double-digit lead. I think eventually got the lead as high as 27, and the final part of the fourth quarter was mostly extended garbage time. But the thing about Karis LeVert, since he's come back from his injury, is that he hasn't flashed as often as we would want that brilliance. You know, what we saw last year in the playoffs against Philadelphia. And I think what that does when Karras misses misses as much time as he's missed, comes back, doesn't play big minutes down the stretch because Kenny Atkinson doesn't believe in Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karras LeVert on the floor at the same time. I think we need to see more of it. I mean, a part of this season is figuring out what combinations work and what guys should be a part of this roster moving forward. But we've seen it over the last few games, and really since... The three guys have been healthy, which obviously is not the case right now. That Lavert's been the odd man out. That Lavert's been the guy who's been sitting crunch time in the fourth quarter of games. It hasn't been Kyrie, obviously, and it hasn't been Spencer Dinwiddie. With Kyrie Irving hurt, and he's probably going to be out for a while, who the hell knows at this point, Kenny decides to go back to starting Karras and Spencer, which, I, I mean, I guess I'm in favor of. I didn't mind the move that he made a week ago, because really it's about who closes games more than anything. You know, whether Levert is starting or not, the ultimate key is who's on the floor close game three and a half minutes to go, and the facts are Karis Levert wasn't on the floor down the stretch of games recently. But I didn't hate the idea of starting Temple at the two. You know, he's still not. It's not like Aaron Temple's going to go out and play 35 minutes, and 
having Spencer and Karras coming off the bench. You're without Kyrie Irving. Obviously, you're inserting Dinwiddie into the starting lineup. Do you want to have that same thing going with Karras where he's a spark off the bench, or do you want to start him? Tonight, he goes and starts him, and Levert was the best player on the floor. And that was incredibly encouraging. And a part of it is opportunity, but a big part of it is getting back into his rhythm. If you remember last year when Levert missed a big chunk of the season, obviously, with that scary injury, he comes back, and you'd see spurts of Karis Levert. You'd see parts of Karis Levert's electrifying, intoxicating game that would make you believe that he can get back to the pre-injury Levert, but we really didn't see it click until the playoff series against Philadelphia. We haven't seen it at all. I mean, minor, tiny spurts. The one thing you see from Karras is that he can defend. He's one of the better defensive players on this team, but we haven't seen what we saw tonight. And so far and away, the most encouraging thing by a million miles that you got from this win tonight is that Karras Levert looked like Karras Levert. And it's important not only in the short term, because the Brooklyn Nets are trying to win basketball games with Kyrie Irving not on the floor for the uh, foreseeable future. You know, we'll see how long it turns out to be. But it's also about, is Karis LeVert on this team next year? I mean, let's not be, let's not fool ourselves here. When Kyrie Irving opened his mouth not that long ago and talked about they need another piece or two, one of the appealing pieces that they would use in a trade for a star or a superstar, whatever the hell they're trying to do, would be Karis LeVert. He doesn't make a lot of money right now, so you're not going to trade him before this deadline. But next year, his contract, you call it a poison pill. I don't think it's really poison. If anything, it's its good. The NBA is a weird game. It's better when you make more money because you can use that number to bring back another star who's probably making a lot of money. But I'm not ready to declare when we've barely seen this team at full strength, yes, they have to trade Karis LeVert. Yes, they have to trade Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, they've got to sign and trade Joe Harris. None of us know any of this. Even Kenny doesn't know. Just because Karis LeVert, who has not played all that well, or at least I shouldn't even say hasn't played all that well, he's not played up to his capabilities. And because of that, has not played crunch time in most games. That doesn't mean that the Nets have to trade Karis LeVert next season during the offseason to land some potential star that we don't even know about right now. I'm not ready to do that. I need to see LeVert play. And when Karras plays at the level he played tonight, how many Net fans are going to say, yes, they have to trade LeVert? LeVert may be the answer. One of the big things about this season coming in, and as far as how good this team could be before Kevin Durant came next year, was what step does... What step does Levert make? That was one of the biggest questions. And so far, that answer until tonight has been, it hasn't been a good one because he hasn't played for a big chunk of the season. And then when he comes back, Kenny's taking it easy with him. That game against, I think it was Toronto, which was his second game back, or was it his, uh, Toronto may have been his first game back. I'm trying to remember. He didn't play him in overtime. Actually, that's the OKC game, excuse me. The Thunder game was the game I'm thinking about where he was a big part of why they played at least reasonably well till they collapsed against Chris Paul in the final few minutes. And LeVert didn't play a second of overtime because they were babying him coming back from a freaking finger injury. And that was infuriating that night. And that was one of those nights where I think we were all screaming, yelling for him to play big minutes in crunch time, specifically that overtime game, a game that they would lose in the midst of that losing streak. 
What we saw in this game from Levert is what we are hoping for. It's what we are dreaming for. But I need to see Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and dare I say Kyrie Irving on the floor together more often than we have to determine, hey, does this work? I totally understand that right now, Kenny Atkinson has determined crunch time in games, I can't have all three on the floor. That doesn't mean that's the case forever. And by the way, if the determination is the three of them don't work, then yes, I'd agree, you're better off dealing one of them. Obviously, it's not Kyrie Irving. It, it probably leads, well, it doesn't probably, it definitely leads to either Dinwiddie or Levert. And then the factor is, well, what are you dealing them for? Now, another thing from tonight was Joe Harris. Joe Harris was very good in the first half. Joe has not shot the basketball all that well over the last few games. He played a lot better today. Wilson Chandler gave him a little bit of a spark off the bench, hitting a couple of threes. Timofey Lawabo Cabarro, who's in the rotation, out of the rotation. He's all over the place. He played well. And the Nets were able to overcome DeAndre Ayton, just eating up Jared Allen in the first few minutes of this game. Uh, and it was a good victory. It was a nice victory against the team you should beat. And they've got one more of these. A game against the team they should beat, Golden State. We'll see if D'Angelo plays, if he's traded, whatever the deal is. You win that game, and then the schedule starts to get tough with Indiana and Toronto. Now, as far as the trade deadline is concerned, I've been trying to think about, you know, what could possibly be out there from a realistic standpoint that makes sense for this team in the short term and the long term. Because much like last year, where it was all about protecting the cap space that they eventually used to sign Irving and Durant and DeAndre Jordan, every move or any move that the Nets make will not be about how much better does it make them this year. It's going to be about next year, obviously. This is not a championship team. This is a team that's probably not even going to finish at 500. They'll make the playoffs because the bottom of the East is so bad. But this team is, I mean, right now, if I had to bet, I don't think they're winning 42 games. I just don't, especially with the uncertainty around Kyrie Irving. So any move you make, sure, you'd like for it to help you now in the short term, but it's all about next year. And the more I rack my brain about it, I don't see that many ways you can do both. Now, obviously, you could acquire a guy on an expiring deal, get his bird rights, and then be able to keep him next season, which is a part of helping you in the short term and helping you in the long term. I don't know how many options there are out there. I also don't know how appealing the Nets trade chips are. They obviously have Philadelphia's first round pick, which is looking better by the day. It's lottery protected, not that that matters because the Sixers aren't missing the playoffs, but Philadelphia has had a very disappointing season, and and if I'm not mistaken, they're kind of in that 19 to 20 to 21 range. That can change if Philly starts to play better, which I assume they will. So that first-round pick that they have from the Sixers does not look half bad. It makes up for the fact that they don't have their own pick. So, sure, that's an asset. I don't think they're in the business of trading future first-round picks. I don't think Donan Musa and Rodion's Karuch, uh, Karuch, I don't think they have that much trade value. Torian Prince and Karis Levert, as we mentioned, or at least I mentioned with Levert, they can't really net you back that much from a financial standpoint because they don't make a lot of money yet. Now, I think Torian Prince, Karis Levert, uh, potentially Dinwiddie, I guess Joe Harris in a sign-and-trade, I think they're all trade chips, but they're not trade chips right now. I mean, you want to use Joe Harris as a trade chip? I guess my question would be, all right, 
well, what are you getting for Joe Harris that's worth it? Because right now, it seems pretty logical and easy that they sign Joe Harris at the end of the year. There's no benefit to letting him go. Even if you don't love him, and I don't know why you wouldn't as a shooter, especially when Durant's on this team, letting him go serves zero purpose. Zero. Nada. Nothing. Let him, letting him go doesn't allow you to add any you know, player who makes any kind of salary. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could use him a trade ship now. I just don't know for what. So the more I rack my brain about this, and certainly the NBA, CBA, and the salary cap is, in, is incredibly confusing, and as much as I try to figure it out, it confuses the hell out of me, I don't really see that many ways or that many deals that make a lot of sense for the Nets, short and long term, but even for another team, because I don't see how many valuable assets they have. Where things are going to get interesting for Sean Marks is this offseason. It's interesting on two levels. Number one, you will have more, I guess, abilities to bring in a big contract back because Karis Levert's going to be making a lot more money and Torian Prince are going to make a lot more money. So both of those guys right off the top become much more usable chips in a deal for a high-salary player. But the second question is, what high-salary player are we talking about that's going to fit the construction of this roster? You know, Minnesota is going heavy after D'Angelo Russell. And if they ever pull that off, obviously they're not turning around and trading Carl Anthony Towns, nor do they have to. You know, when star players force their way out, it's because they have the leverage to do so. They're a free agent in a year or two, and the team realizes, wow, we're going to lose this guy. We better get something back. Carl Anthony Towns is signed for the next four years. Other than him politely asking to be traded, he's got zero leverage. Similar with Bradley Beal. So I don't know where or whom is the big guy out there they can make a deal for. Now, I know what this team needs. I think we all know what this team needs. They need more size. They need more toughness. They need more guys that can defend. I mean, if I could ideally pick, and I, I mean sort of realistically. I'm not going to say Anthony Davis. I love Eve, who joined our Nets Roundtable podcast, saying about Anthony Davis next year. I still can't see how that's realistic at all. On a lesser realistic scale, or I should say, on a more realistic scale, but still feels sort of unrealistic, a guy like Serge Ibaka would be perfect, but again, the Nets are not going to have the ability to add contracts and free agency. It would have to be a sign-and-trade Uh, It would have to be a a deal for guys that maybe we don't even think of being available. So we'll see what happens before the trade deadline, but I don't see a lot of great opportunities uh, for the Nets in the short term. Really, the short term is about this. It's about Karis LeVert playing more often the way he played in this game tonight. It's about Kyrie Irving getting his ass back on the court. Here's the thing about Kyrie. I haven't mentioned him much so far in this podcast. I saw, we all saw how he got hurt Saturday night. Okay? There's no mystery. The guy got hurt. And so while Irving has been incredibly frustrating this year, one of the things about the shoulder injury, not that it wasn't real, not that he didn't have an impingement, it's that we never really saw the injury. I guess there was, oh, look at this moment. This is where he injured himself. He ended up playing through it and played that Denver game on a Thursday night. We actually, with our own eyes, saw him get hurt Saturday night on a hustle play against the Wizards. It sucks. It's frustrating. This seems to be the story of Kyrie Irving. But, I mean, what am I mad at? I saw the guy get hurt. 
In fact, at the moment, it looked like it was going to be a lot worse. I think most of us were scared it was going to be, you know, the worst case scenario possible. He was going to freaking tear his ACL or whatever. So it's typical of Kyrie Irving's net career, his brief net career so far, that he puts together one of the more brilliant performances you'll ever see. Hold on one second. My GPS is confusing me. It's telling me to go on 278 East, but I think that's to the left, but it's pointing to the right. Sometimes Google Maps is damn confusing. I think I made the right call. Stay to the left. Also, the Kashiosko Bridge, they've done a marvelous job with it. I feel like there's less traffic now on the Kashiosko, and they've also made it very pretty with the lights, you know, flickering between yellow and red and purple. Uh, so good job out of uh, the city of New York making the Kashiosko, if I'm even pronouncing it right, uh, certainly more appealing, and I feel like there's less traffic. It always seemed that people would slow down when they went over the Kashiosko. Now there's no reason to, because the roads are very clean and nice. Anyhow, I digress. It was very easy getting out of Brooklyn tonight. I'll tell you, this commute, since we've taken over afternoons, it's been great. Show ends at 6. I drive over to Barclays Center from Lower Manhattan. It takes about a half hour. So I pull in to the Barclays Center area around 635, 640. And every single time, I've done this three or four times now, I find the spot without a problem. So easy. So easy to just drive over there, find the spot. And, and I find the spot so quickly, I've actually got time to go get go get some dinner. So tonight I went to a place, I forget the name of it, they sell sub sandwiches. But here's the issue I ran into. Excuse me. I, I buy the sandwich, great, but they close at 7. So I'm squeaking in there right at the last second to get the sandwich, which is fantastic. But now I have nowhere to sit. You know, this isn't City Field or Yankee Stadium where you could bring a sandwich in. I can't bring it inside a Barclays Center. So what do I do? I got two options. I can go walk back to my car, which isn't exactly the most convenient thing. Or I could find a bench to sit on and eat my sandwich on the bench. So here's what I did tonight. I found the bench. But about three minutes into unpacking my sandwich, I'm sitting there, I'm eating on the bench. I just felt like a total schmuck. I don't know why. And and I shouldn't care. I I usually don't care what people think that are walking by in Brooklyn. I mean, nobody really cares about the schmuck sitting in the chair eating his uh, whatever sandwich I had, pastrami sandwich. But I don't know what it was. I think it's because I was also in this back pain. So I'm kind of leaned over and I'm I'm grimacing every five seconds. I'm eating this sandwich. The tomatoes falling all over the place. And so very quickly, I'd say about three minutes into eating it, I wrapped the bad boy up and said, I I just got to go to my car. This is embarrassing. I got to get the hell out of here. So I ended up eating in my car, listening to a little Howard Stern, got into the arena for a 7.30 tip. Now, a couple of observations. I'm going to kill the fans right now. Number one, and I've noticed this over the last couple of months more than ever, and I don't think it's a protest. I really don't. I don't. I have seen so many people sit during the national anthem. And I, I don't think it's a protest. I, I think I'm just watching people that don't want to get up for whatever reason. And I've noticed that a lot uh, over the last couple of months at various sporting events. I noticed it at the Nets game tonight. I actually, you know where else I noticed it? I went to that monster car show at Prudential Center. I noticed it there too. So I, 
look, I can't get in everybody's head. I really didn't think, or at least my interpretation was, it wasn't a protest. It was more, you know what? I don't want to stand up right now. It's not comfortable. That's number one. Number two, I really don't want to get on my net brethren. You know, that's that's for Nick fans to do, to make fun of the net crowds. But tonight, and this is the first time I noticed this. I don't know if they did this in the two previous games. I haven't been uh, at a home game. I think three or four games ago was my last home game. But they started this campaign, which a lot of other teams have, where if the opposing team misses both free throws, they're going to give you free french fries. So here's what pisses me off. The crowd was rocking for the, for, for the french fry stuff because Devin Booker missed a free throw. And so now he's lining up for his second. And the crowd is rocking because, God forbid, they spend $4 to get unhealthy french fries at McDonald's. I don't really think anybody cares about the French fries at McDonald's. I think it's simply the idea of, I got free French fries. But here's what annoyed me. That place was as loud for the French fry crap as I had heard it all night and probably all season. So think about that. The loudest the Barclays Center has been all season long was the idea of free French fries at a Nets Suns game. That kind of annoyed me. And I've talked about the crowds. I think the crowds in Brooklyn have been better. I thought that last year during the playoffs against Philadelphia, the crowd had a soul for the first time, kind of had a heartbeat. But I guess in a lot of these regular season games, that passion isn't still there yet for net fans, or at least the net fans that are in the building. There are plenty of, you know, old New Jersey net or Brooklyn net fans that they're not going to every game. They're at home. They're on Twitter screaming and yelling. But at least in the arena... I guess the full passion isn't quite there. So that kind of annoyed me too. Glaber Torres was in the building. Now, whenever I see Glaber Torres in the Nets, I think of Richard Jefferson on the broadcast saying that he had no idea who Glaber Torres was, which I actually don't fully believe. I think RJ was doing one of his uh, now patented, hey, I'm screwing around, I'm joking around bits. But Glaber was in the building. But overall, it's nice to win. I know they don't have a good win-loss record, and I know there are plenty of losses coming, especially when they play Toronto and Indiana, and they've got a West Coast trip coming up not too far from now when they play the Lakers and they play the Clippers, and the Clippers still have to come here. But you take any win you could get, because here's the, the small goal that you have to have, the small but realistic goal of your Nets fan, and that's getting the seventh seed. That's it. Avoid Milwaukee. Dinwiddie even said it not that long ago. If you get a series against Miami or a series against Toronto or a series against Boston, I'm not sitting here telling you the Nets are going to win it. The way they're constituted right now, they're not beating anybody. But I think you will at least go in feeling like there's more of a shot. Like there's more of a possibility to pull off that kind of upset. So every game that goes by, the one game you really need to scoreboard watch is the Orlando Magic, who did win their game tonight, and just find a way to get the seventh seed. And find a way to get healthy. I mean, obviously, that's the the biggest thing is just getting all of these guys on the court at the same time. And I know, oh, it's all about next year. It's all about next year. Look, when you emotionally and financially invest in a basketball team, but more so emotionally than financially, you always want to believe and you always want to think you have a shot. And so even though last year was never really about last year, when they won 42 games and they were matched up against Philadelphia, especially after winning a game one on the road, you, you believe, 
you just you feel that sense and I, I think that's what we want but the only way to really believe is for this team to start to play consistently good basketball and to beat some good teams we've got plenty of time before this season is over hopefully that'll happen and hopefully that's going to happen with Kyrie Irving on the basketball court that's that's the most important thing to see this guy play Now, as far as D'Angelo Russell is concerned, I know the Nets are not involved. Why would they be? But my only hope is this. Are you going to let me in, schmuck? All right, thank you. Sorry. The guy clearly sees I'm trying to get into the right lane. He doesn't give a crap. But I got I got into the right lane. Mainly because right now I'm pulling into the Gulf gas station near City Field so I can press stop on my record button because I'm about to wrap up the podcast. And I'm not going to do that while driving because I'm very, very responsible. All I ask for D'Angelo Russell, don't trade him to the Knicks. I cannot live in a world in which my former 23-year-old All-Star is playing for the New York Knicks. And every time he has a good game, you know, I got to hear Knicks fans tell me about how D'Angelo is the best point guard in this town. Anyhow, it's been real. Thank you for listening to this edition, the driving home from a Brooklyn Nets win edition of the Evan Roberts podcast.